The reading is from Corinthians 1, chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. Intelligibility in worship. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you, unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. This is the word of the Lord. If you worship regularly with us, you'll know that we are working our way through a series on how we hear God. Different ways in which we hear God. Coming from the conviction that God is speaking. We have to have that basic belief that God wants to speak to us, that he wants to share things with us. And we read about that in scripture, we read of so many different ways in which people hear from God. And what we've been trying to do is to try to to look at the different ways that he has spoken and apply that to our own lives. I have this firm conviction that God speaks. And I long for us all to be more confident and comfortable in sensing that we are able to hear God. And so this has been an exciting series, I think, of actually finding different ways in which God speaks, in which we might be able to hear him. And we've moved on to one that is maybe a little bit more um, unusual, and it's hearing God through prophecy. In the Old Testament, we read about prophets, people like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament. And they have a particular role. They are called by God, and often we we read about the moment in which God speaks to them and says, I've got a job for you. And they're called to be God's prophet, God's messenger. And they have specific things that they have to bring messages about. And normally it's things that are saying, life isn't as it should be. God is aware that you're not living as you should be. And he's speaking to you to say, come on, come back to me. I want to have a relationship with you. And the Old Testament prophets speak both to God's people themselves 
and also to those who are in control, who are leaders or rulers or kings. And they have quite a tough job. We can imagine them as sort of lone characters who've been given this really tricky task by God to go and speak into complicated and tense situations and to bring a message that nobody wants to hear. That is not what we're reading about in 1 Corinthians 14. This is not what Paul is referring to. So you can all just relax and think, no, we're not going to be called to be Isaiah's or Jeremiah's. Some people are. I would say, looking back in history, people like Martin Luther King was a modern-day prophet. The way he spoke out against um, racism that was happening and the danger that that caused him, and ultimately his death, he spoke prophetically. And if you read his speeches, you'll discover that there are images of scripture. He he quotes from Amos, and he speaks powerfully, and speaks into the context of the day with a really hard message that nobody wanted to hear. There are modern-day prophets in the same way that we have Old Testament prophets. But here, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking about something slightly different. He's talking about a gift of the Spirit, We believe in the Holy Spirit, and if you were at Cafe Church last time, that was the topic. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God. God is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. So part of who God is, is the Spirit. And it is the way in which God can work in the world through the power of the Spirit. And he gives us gifts of the Spirit, He gives us fruits of the Spirit, which is the the behaviours that we we adopt as we become closer and closer to Jesus. We display the characteristics that we would expect to see in Jesus. And they're called fruits. But gifts are something else. Gifts of the Spirit are things that help us know God better and work more closely with him. And he empowers us and equips us in different ways. And the gift of prophecy is one of those. Here, Paul is comparing the gift of prophecy with the gift of tongues. I'm not going to spend an awful long time talking about the gift of tongues, because what I want to talk about is the gift of prophecy. But the gift of tongues is being able to to speak to God in a language that is not one that you've learned. A supernatural language that God gives to be able to worship God. And it's a really important gift, and a powerful way to be able to communicate with God. When sometimes we haven't got language, God gives us a language that means that we can praise him and worship him. We sense we're doing it, but we might not understand the the words that we're using. And that was a gift that was being used a lot in the church in Corinth. And people had been given this gift, and it's a really good gift, but they were using it in worship, kind of in an unruly way. So imagine you all turned up and I said, right, you know, we're going to sing, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, and everybody started speaking in tongues. And nobody knew what was going on. And some were trying to shout louder than others. And some were saying, I've really got something here. That's what was happening in the church in Corinth. And so Paul is saying, speaking in tongues is really important and is a precious gift. But actually, in the life of the church, there is a gift that is perhaps better used in church life, and that is the gift of prophecy. Because the gift of prophecy is being able to hear from God on behalf of other people or for the church. The gift of prophecy is being able to sense something that God is saying and to share it with others in our own language, which is different to the gift of tongues. 
And I want to talk about the context in which Paul is, is discussing this. 1 Corinthians 13 is probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It's all about love. Love is patient, love is kind. Often we hear it at weddings. We have a whole chapter that talks about love. And then we get to this chapter that says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So the context is love. The context is that God loves us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants us to know him and know what he is saying to us. But the context is the love that we have for each other. The gift of prophecy is one that is used in the context of love. And it's also used in the context of the common good. Gifts are given for the common good. God gives gifts for the good of his people. He gives spiritual gifts that the church might be built up, might be strengthened, might be edified. So the gift of prophecy is one that allows us to hear from God in such a way that we can all be built up. Sometimes it might be a gift of prophecy for one person. Other times it might be a gift of prophecy for the whole church. It's not a foretelling of the future. It's a sharing something that God is saying. In that sense, the message is still the same as the Old Testament model. A prophecy is a message from God. It's merely God speaking to us. What it's not is a tool of power. If the context is love, what prophecy then is not is something that gives me power over you or gives me power in the church or in a church meeting. Many, many times people have said, stood up in front of a group of people and said, God has told me this. And use it as something that is powerful to get their way. That is not what the gift of prophecy is about. For us to feel more powerful over other folk. Thus says the Lord. The gift of prophecy is much more gentle, much more unassuming, much more testing things out and thinking, I sense God might be saying, rather than standing up powerfully and saying, he has spoken and this is what we have to do. It's testing it out with other people. It's something quite gentle. It might be, I thought I need to get a little bit practical, what does the gift of prophecy look like? If it's not that standing up and being powerful, what is it? In my experience, the gift of prophecy is something really quite gentle, but hugely affirming and encouraging. Being prayed for by somebody and then sensing that God is saying something to you is the most amazing thing that can happen. Because often we cannot hear God for ourselves. But to have somebody else give a message that is so obviously from God is the most affirming, encouraging and powerful thing often that I think we can experience. And it might be as someone prays for us, they sense a particular Bible verse. It just keeps going round their head. And they might say, I've just got this Bible verse going round and round. don't know if it means anything, but I'm going to share it with you. And when you hear that verse, you know exactly that's God speaking. That's hugely powerful. 
It might be the words of a song that just go round and round in your head and say, just got this phrase that keeps coming, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. I don't know if that means anything to you. And when you hear it, you know that you've been struggling to sense God's love. And he's saying, I love you. It might be someone has a picture. I'm not very good at pictures. But somebody might have a picture. Somebody once had a picture for me. And had this picture of me walking through a wood. And the trees were dead. But as I walked through, the trees budded and came into flower. And it was talking about my, my ministry and how it was going to flourish. And I just found that so affirming that God was saying to me, I know who you are. And I've got a plan for you, and it's a good plan. And this is what it's going to look like, and it's going to be good. Hugely powerful. It might be a direct message from God, God saying something to you. That's been my experience of both having prophecy for other people or people having a prophecy for me. The word prophecy might be a bit difficult. It's basically God speaking and believing that we can hear from God on behalf of somebody else in a supernatural, spiritual way that he gives us. What Paul is saying here is that everybody can seek this gift. Everybody can seek this gift. We can all ask for gifts. He said, I hope you all have the gift of tongues, but actually, I hope you all have the gift of prophecy. You don't have to be a special person for this. And this is really, really important. God makes spiritual gifts available to us that we can ask for. There are people who are particularly gifted, like a Martin Luther King, who in his whole DNA has this prophetic role to carry out. And we're not all called to be that. But we are all able to ask for the gift of prophecy. That's amazing, isn't it? And yet so daunting. Because immediately we hear that, we think, oh my goodness, how could I ask for the gift of prophecy? What on earth would it look like? Where would I even begin? But Paul is saying, eagerly seek the gifts. Eagerly seek the gift of prophecy. And I just find that so phenomenal. And yet in church we don't talk about this. We struggle because... We're British and we kind of don't want to talk about things that make us feel vulnerable. Because this is taking us to a level that's beyond our comfort. Because in order to be able to do this, we've got to be vulnerable. I remember the first time I tried out, might I have the gift of prophecy? It was on a church weekend and the leader was speaking about the gifts and the gift of prophecy. And said, you know, you can all ask for it. And if you really would like to ask, come and pray with me afterwards. And so I, with a little bit of trepidation, went to him at the end and said, you know, I really would love this gift. I think I already had it, but I didn't believe I had it. But, you know, I, just, I had experience being able to do it, but I hadn't the confidence. And he said to me, okay, we'll just pray. He said, I'll pray for you that you'll have a word for me that's relevant. I was terrified. And he prayed. And I sat there for five minutes. And I had something in my head, but I was thinking, this is rubbish, this is, this is not God, this is me. And eventually I had the courage to actually articulate it. He said, well, so this morning I prayed for that. And I'm sensing that the, you know, what God is saying to you means that, that he's heard my prayer and is equipping me. I just felt so, my goodness me, how did that happen? 
But I was so scared to articulate it, thinking, this is a load of rubbish. This is just me making it up. And yet Paul says, eagerly seek the gift of prophecy. On another occasion, um, there was a group of four of us, and, and again, we, were, we had to practice gifts. This is really, really important. And we were practicing hearing God for one another, and we, and we took it in turns. So, so three of us would pray for one, and then we would share what we thought God was saying. And again, a few of us were, were quite nervous about this. In fact, none of us had masses of experience. But as we bravely and a bit nervously said, oh, I, I'm not sure this is right. You know, you can put all the provisors around it. This might just be me. But I'm just sensing, you know, that God might be saying this. All three things were either the same or connected in different ways. And the sense of power amongst us was, oh, my goodness me, this is working. That's phenomenal. Either the same thing, we all had the same verse, or one started and one said, my goodness me, that links to what I was hearing. And then the third person would say, wow, gosh, that then leads on to what I was hearing. And they all connected in some way that couldn't have happened otherwise. If we believe that we can all ask for the gift of prophecy, we need a place where we can practice to do that. We need a safe place where we can try it out. I'm now confident enough that I know the nudges and I recognise the voice. But it takes practice. And I think that's what we're not good at doing. We almost want to be the fully-fledged end product before we've even started. And that this is something that will take us to a place of vulnerability and risk and a place where we might get it wrong. But we need to be okay with that. Because this is powerful. This is a gift that builds, edifies, strengthens, and encourages. Don't you want to be built up, strengthened, encouraged in your faith? Don't we as a church want to be built up, edified, strengthened, encouraged as a body of people? equipped to do what God is calling us to do. The gift of prophecy will help us with that. And we need to be brave enough, firstly, to believe it's true, that God will speak, and secondly, to practice. So this is where we get into the practical stuff. Those safe places where we can begin to practice. If you're going through this series thinking, I really want to try this out, I really want to hear God, And actually, this prophecy thing, never thought about this before. But I'd like to give it a go. Can I encourage you through the next week to think, where is my safe place? Who are the people that I could begin to practice this with? Because, to be fair, for me to suddenly say, right, we're all going to practice it just now, would frighten everybody and probably wouldn't achieve very much. Part of me wants to do it. I don't think it's right. I'd love to try it. But this week, why not think, where is my safe place? Is it a home group? Is it with one other person who I know really well? Is it with a small group that we could get together and say, why don't we just give this a try? Because all you need to do is to sit, to pray, to have a bit of quiet, to let the words stop for a while, and to ask the Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak? It's not a difficult prayer. 
and to just wait. And for someone to be brave enough to start. Because when one person starts, the others will follow. And just to try. Because the words that God gives help us. And they build us up. And they encourage us. And they build up and, and just, you know, make us a stronger people. And he'll do that for us as individuals. But he will also do it for us as a church, which is why we do need to get into the practice of being able to do this as church. Because when God is asking us to do a task, he will often reveal that through words of prophecy, through a variety of people saying the same thing and hearing God and actually thinking, I think God might be saying this. Well, I had a picture about that. This Bible verse has been really important. And we realize that God is speaking as a church in order to equip us for a task that he has in mind for us. That's the most exciting place to be in church life. To be directly hearing from God as to what he wants us to do. That's better than 10 PCC meetings any day. Because God speaks. And he is speaking. But we need to take the risk to be vulnerable and not to worry about getting it right. So I want to get more practical again. Because I think, and I've been really tussling with this all week, I think we need a wider context of how we are with one another to be able to create the environment where we can take risks and trust God. I think we need to know each other well. We cannot know everybody in the same level of detail. But within this church family, we need to know some people well. And we need to let our guard down from time to time. If we're going to start on things like gifts of prophecy, gifts of tongues, gifts of healing, have I even told you I'm having a rubbish week? How can I start on that if I haven't even really let my guard down? So we need to have places where we know each other well where we can let the guard down and be who we truly are. Sounds easy, really hard. But I think God is saying we need to be that as a church. See, I think God is saying, I'm not convinced, I'm not saying the Lord has said, but I've been tussling with this all week and I just sense God has been saying to me, this is something about how we are in the everyday as well as in the supernatural. Do we know each other? well as each as who we truly are or do I metaphorically put on my Sunday best and show one aspect of my character and there's a whole lot of stuff that is just kept hidden away God is saying let the guard down let the barriers down know each other secondly we need to trust each other and trust is key and what I mean by trust is this We need to trust that we want the best for each other. That we love each other. It's the context of love. 1 Corinthians 13 has just poured out what love is. And we need to trust that we love each other and therefore want the best for each other. And as a body of people, that can be tricky as well. Do I really believe that you want the best for me? Because if I don't believe that, I don't want you to pray for me. Because I won't trust it. Do we believe that we want the best for one another? And we can trust that. Thirdly, confidentiality is key. 
When we let the guard down, when we make ourselves vulnerable, part of that trust is knowing it's safe. I'm not about confidentiality clauses, but there's something in a home group or in a group of people who are praying together, just reminding and checking in from time to time. This is a place where the conversations are confidential and that we don't talk about them. Sometimes we think that we don't talk about the detail and it's okay to say to somebody, such a shame so-and-so is having a hard time, but I can't go any further. Confidentiality is confidentiality. If we're letting our guard down, it stays there. And we hold that safe. And again, that's part of the trust. But it also means we need places where there's no expectation of me benefiting from what's going on. If we're in the area of actually hearing words from God, we have to believe it for the person, regardless of what then happens to me. Sometimes we want to get involved because we care for somebody and we've heard something and we sense there's a situation but there's no obligation on the person who you've given the word to to fill you in on the backstory, or to tell you three weeks down the line how things are going. And again, we need to create places where we know we're safe enough to do that. In the last three or four months, two people have contacted me with words for me. One spoken, one by email. And they were given to me and left with me. No asking, I don't know if that's relevant to you at all. Just a, a, a note or, a, a, or spoken, I really sense God was saying this and I'm just giving it to you. It's almost like giving a gift and they walk away. That is really, really precious. Because if it's a word from God and it's something that really touches you, often you're not in a place to be able to talk about it. And it's not right to be able to say why that word was relevant at that time. So we need places where we can actually give a word, give a prophecy, give a message, give a picture, and leave it and walk away. And that's hard. Because if we've sent something from God, we want to be part of it and see what goes on. Now we may... But it's the other person's gift as to whether they want to involve us or not. And I think that's quite a toughie. Because by our very nature, we want to be involved. And we want to hear more. But there's something about this, that if we want the best for somebody, we give them a gift and we leave it there. And if we never hear anything more, that's okay. And I think that's what we need to create places where there's no expectation that we give the gift there is such a thing as a free lunch we give generously and leave it with somebody then the last thing I think God has been saying to me if we really want these places of safety of trust of knowing that we want the best for each other where we give without expecting to receive we can't just limit that to a time of a spiritual gift. We've got to practice that in our everyday life. How do I know that I can trust? I will know I can trust when I know that the general ambiance of a place is one where the behaviour works. Where we think about how we speak to one another in the everyday 
as well as in the moments of prophecy. That when we speak to each other, we speak in love. That we care for one another. That we don't gossip. That we don't take items for prayer. So-and-so is having a bad time, let's pray for them. Because that's actually gossip often. If they've asked for prayer, yes. But we are called to be holy people, set aside. And the way we are with one another in the everyday will influence how far we can go by being God's people and how much we will hear him and be able to communicate that with each other. And I just sense that this week God has been saying there's something about how we are in the day-to-day. And it's simple little things. If I'm tired, I'm more grumpy and I might sound off in a wrong way. Just think about how we are coming across Thinking about how something we say might be heard. Somebody once said to me, you never know the story that someone's going through, at what point you're picking it up. And somebody might come in, and they've had such a horrendous time before ever getting there. And I say something sharp, and it's the last straw. It's the straw that breaks the camel's back. We never know what's going on in people's lives. Let's remember that. Let's trust that. Let's be kind to one another. I have a practice sometimes with emails of composing it and leaving it for 24 hours. Often I don't send it. Or I certainly modify it. Emails are the hardest because we flick them off really quickly. And if we're feeling a bit cross, gosh, they can come over really harsh. And the pain and the hurt that that causes destroys fellowship and trust. Now, what's hard is because I've started by saying that words of prophecy are for building up and for edifying and encouraging, and now I'm thinking I'm coming in really negative. But I've wrestled with this. Every time I've gone for a walk, I've just sensed this, and God is saying this. And I think it is about edifying, about God saying, let's be holy people. That when we speak to one another in the day-to-day, we are displaying exactly what Paul is saying when he's talking about the realm of spiritual gifts. There should be no difference. And then, from that place of love and care and trust and confidentiality and not expecting to receive, we have an ideal platform to practice the thing that is really scary, which is getting it wrong and not necessarily hearing God correctly. But we can do that in the place where we know we're safe. I don't know how this is landing with you at all. But I do want to share with you my conviction that God speaks. That he gives words. He gives pictures. And those moments where the unexpected thing comes and it makes sense of a situation you're in or it comforts you on a journey that's going to be a really long journey but you know God is with you are so powerful I have been blessed to have many, many people throughout my life share with me words of prophecy. They haven't called them that. They've just come and said, I was praying and I sensed God say this. And I have been so blessed. And I long for everyone to receive what I've received. I have also been blessed in being able to hear for other people. And not necessarily to know how it lands, but to believe that somewhere I'm a part of that journey, that God has used me. 
and being used by God to encourage somebody else is a fantastic place to be. To sense that I've been part of God's plan for this person in just a simple way is a privilege and a blessing. And I long for everybody to experience that as well. So I want to end with an encouragement. This is risky because it takes us from that place of being in control to being completely out of control. Go for it. Find your safe place. Agree with one another what rules you need to have to make it a safe place. Try it out. You will get it wrong a bit, but it's okay. It doesn't matter. I've been in church services where pictures have been given at the front. There was one about an ice cream dripping all over. I don't think it meant anything at all, but it didn't matter. Because they'll be the one that is the word from God. And we don't want to miss when God speaks. Do you want to miss out on what God is saying to you? Or to the person next to you? I don't. Let's be risky, vulnerable, daring, and believe that God will speak. Amen.